Welcome to Mercer's Energizing the Employee Experience podcast with me, your host, Tyree Houghton. Each week, I'll be joined by guests who will share their experiences and insights to help you create a people-first workplace to attract and retain the best talent. On today's episode, we're going to be discussing one of the greatest challenges that businesses are facing at the moment, people risk. And during the podcast, we'll be touching on some data from Mercer's UK People Risk Report, which can be downloaded from mercer.com. I'm excited to be joined by two of my wonderful colleagues, Emma Bassett and Nick McMenemy. Thank you both so much for joining me today. Emma, could you please give us a quick introduction into you and your role at Mercer? No problem. Thanks, Tyree. Hi, everyone. My name is Emma Bassett. Uh, I'm the client strategy leader for Mercy UK. And so I uh, very much enjoy speaking with clients about exactly this topic of people risk. So looking forward to it. Brilliant. Thank you. And Nick? Hi, Tyree. Thanks for the invitation. Um, I'm Nick McMenemy. I'm the UK and Ireland consulting leader for Mercer Marsh Benefits. So I have an eye on uh, what our people say to our clients, how, how we bring value to them and solutions and, and how we scan the horizon for what might be coming down the track that, that, that is of interest to clients. Great. Hopefully we can bring some good insights to um, all the listeners around people risk from your expertise. So people are arguably any business's greatest asset. So people risk should and will have always been on the agenda. Um, however, recent events such as pandemic, cost of living crisis have further accelerated this up the business's agenda. Whether it's far enough up the agenda is another area to discuss. But in order to address people risk, businesses can't be reactive because they need to plan for the long game in the future. So how important, in your opinion, is it for HR to embed sustainability at the core and how do they do that? Um, so thanks for the question, Tyree. I think it's a great one. Um, and sustainability has really shot up the agenda in the last, I guess, the last couple of years. And I think the pandemic particularly has accelerated that and the changing nature of work. And now the inflationary pressure environment that we're under has brought it into even sharper focus. So um, yeah, sustainability can mean a lot of different things to different people. But from a people risk perspective, um, ultimately, it's the ability of an organisation to thrive and grow um, with, without putting unnecessary pressure or having adverse effects on colleagues, on clients and on, on, on the, the wider community and environment. So specifically, an organisation might want to look at sustainability through the lens of the health and well-being of its workforce, um, the diversity of its workforce. So where have its people come from? What are their backgrounds? Is, is, the, is their thinking diverse enough to take the organization forward in the future and, and make that, you know, their, their strategy and their planning and their delivery sustainable? Um, it's any impact that a, an organization or their supply chain or their customer chain has on the environment. Um, is it sustainable? Is a client asking sufficient questions of the way they recruit or the way they appoint suppliers to make sure that the business can, can keep up with the sustainability goals that it has? And, and I guess ultimately, it's we're seeing much more demand from both colleagues and clients about organisations doing the right thing. Are they doing the right thing? And if they're not, what are their chances that they've actually got a sustainable business in the future? Yeah, I agree, Nick. Look, there are so many different lenses that you can look look uh, look at this um, on. But I, for me, um, 
if, you, if you're thinking about um, sustainability and the impact it has for HR, um, it comes down to how you invest in your people and making sure that the investment in your people is fit for right now and also future-proofed, so fit for the future. Um, and how do you do that? For me, it's um, understanding the risks um, associated with your people um, because you're going to have various strategies. Um, you've alluded to it, Nick, um, a strategy around DNI, a strategy around well-being, and there are various different substrategies if you like, to the overarching people strategy to, um, you know, how exactly how do you invest in your people? So to be sustainable, we need that running theme, you know, making sure that the investment in that particular strategy is fit for right now and also future proofed. And I guess the final thing I would mention is about getting that control. Um, so if you in, in HR can say back, you know, to, to the organization and report back to the organization how much control you have over the people risks, that means uh, that, in my opinion, that you have, that you are sustainable, that you are definitely in control, fit for the now and also future-proofed. And, um, you know, it's all about being agile. There are so many changes on the horizon. We've gone through such, um, uh, you know, a huge transformation um, across not just the UK, but globally in terms of how we work. And that's going to impact how we view and or approach and make sure sustainability is filtered through how we invest in our people. So um, for me, it's all about getting that control and making sure that the investment is fit for right now and also future-proof. Thanks both. I think Emma, something you sort of said about the long-term really resonates. I think to client conversations that I have and they ultimately want some quick fixes in sort of my my conversation is always you know pause we can't make changes that are gonna um tackle some of these big issues that are immediate it's a long-term gain and the work that you need to do is a three to five year project um to tackle those it's, it's not an instant thing and I think that's something that clients are starting to realize so Tyree the only other point I was going to make on that is that the really powerful thing about the people risk report and the research is that, that it, it has surveyed both HR leaders and risk leaders. So, so, so we're getting the, the double view of different parts of an organization about what's important to them from a people risk perspective and, and what their priorities are. And, and what's, what was really interesting to see is how closely aligned often the priorities of both risk managers and people managers are in, in, in an organization. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Nick, I was going to say great point here. And again, you can then feed in the argument of sustainability. And um, so if you if your HR team is focusing on one particular area and that same subject matter is being focused on by your risk management team, can the investment be spread across both? And therefore you're being sustainable. Yeah, I agree. I think that's such an important point. I think back to some of the other podcasts that we've had and a running theme is, you know, how do HR elevate whatever it is they're trying to achieve to the business? And this is a really powerful way of talking at businesses level in order to get the budget, get the sign off to drive some of the things within HR. Nick, you touched on quite a few different areas that can fall in under people risk and the diversity, the well-being, the environmental factors. People risk does cover such a broad mix of agenda items and challenges. And the UK People Risk Report captures the top five priorities according to HR and risk management. And they include such things as cybersecurity, pandemics, changing nature of work. However, um, as I alluded to, people risk is broad. So what, in your opinion, are the blind spots that HR and businesses might need to be spending a little bit more focus on that didn't show up in the report as a key priority? It's such a good question, Tyree. And one of the really interesting things about the report was, 
you know, you can present, you know, we can talk about the top five priorities all day long, but, but they're probably already on the agenda somewhere. Um, what, what was fascinating to me was um, how topics that I'll go through in, in a second that I would consider as a as someone providing consultancy to a client would be should be right up there at the top of the agenda where many clients answered in the survey that they either haven't got the resource or the investment to to deal with them right now so for example fewer than one in four clients said that AI artificial intelligence and automation of work uh, was something that they have sufficient resource or investment to, to, to deal with. Only 28% said that they have enough resource and investment to deal with their employee value proposition and, and having, having the appropriate rich enough re you know, reward structure to, to retain and attract talent. Um, if you think about how important DE&I is and the measurement of that and the advance of that aspect of an organization, 30%, only 30% said that they had sufficient investment and resource to, 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 to look at DNI, DEI to measure it and to make sure it was improving. So you know, they are just three areas where they could really be blind spots for organizations and they have such massive impact in the sustainability of the people you know, that, that make the business turn around. Uh, I completely agree there, Nick. I, I feel like we're so passionate about this because you know this is the world that we operate within and these are the conversations we are having right now with organisations. Um, but for me, when, when looking at blind spots, it has to be about how we're seeing that organisations you know, understand there's a potential threat on the horizon. We're speaking to them about things like the Great Resignation. They understand there's a potential threat on the horizon. But I think for me, until the impact of that threat is actually felt within the organization there's almost no argument to act right now no urgency to act right now there's so many other things on the agenda where the urgency is to act right now and maybe it's because they missed blind spots for those areas and now they're in the situation where they have to act right now so um, to answer Tyree's question there, for me, I think, I think one of the main blind spots is all around the topic of great resignation. And it does lead into the need to upskill and reskill. We know that organizations recognize that threat. We can see that it's visible in the report. But what's clearly there as well is that organizations don't actually, and have admitted, they don't actually have um, a, a strategy in place to tackle that threat of um, employees leaving. So we always, always talk about um, attrition being there. Every organization deals with attrition. But have we really challenged ourselves to be able to um, say categorically, we have um, differentiated that plan approach to attrition to tackle negative attrition? How have we changed that plan and approach to attrition to really answer the question we have around negative attrition. And negative attrition is about losing key skill, losing leadership. It's that, it's that risk around losing people that is, you know, you don't, you don't want to lose these people because it's gonna have an indirect impact on the ability to grow and develop as an organization. So, um, so for me, it's all around the great resignation. It's a key market theme. It's a key topic being discussed. Um, but, it's, but it's how can we make sure that we are protecting um, ourselves against that um, threat of negative attrition. I love your thoughts around here and for me there's sort of two things that stand out. One sort of Nick flagging about the automation of work 
I don't know a client who actually doesn't put themselves in that bracket. There's a makeup company that I was speaking to who classes themselves as a tech business. Everyone is shifting in that way. So how that isn't, you know, a key priority is, is sort of really baffling. And when you think what the delay in actually prioritizing that is going to have and the impact that it's going to have on the business and the risk is absolutely huge. And Emma, your, your point about sort of if it's not impacted them yet, there's not sort of the action. From an HR person's perspective, how can they change that? How can they make some change within the business? How can they get the business to listen before they are impacted? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't mind um, jumping in here um, first, um, Nick. And my thinking is all about it comes back to getting that control. And it's making sure that you're highlighting the risk for your organization um, with an independent view independent lens um, because sometimes we'll highlight the risks um, and I would ask every every listener here to just challenge themselves have we highlighted the risks based on our own um, personal biasness um, bias um, so I, I would want an independent lens um, on the risks um, uh, to the threats um, visible um, within people um, but it can go broader as we've discussed the, the collaboration with with risk management is really key but if you have that independent lens of the risks um, and the threats very possible very prevalent within your industry and for your organization um, then um, I think you'd be in a better position to be able to grasp that control and mitigate the risk for the future. Completely agree um, and I would add a couple of points um, what, that once you've assessed the risk, and I think the independent aspect is, re is really important, prioritise them and then make a plan. Yeah, make a plan for dealing with it. Make a plan that involves HR and risk management within the organisation. And then make a business case to the organisation where you need investment and resource uh, uh, you know, assigned to, to, to those people addressing those people risks. The other thing I would say is this is not a set and forget strategy. So... Mm. We this year you know with recession looming with inflation you know almost coming out of nowhere and a pandemic in the last two years that came from nowhere how quickly the people risk environment can change so you know, the idea of putting a plan in place now and not reviewing it for three years is is for the birds you know we, we, we you know, the, the importance here is having a really agile plan that you can feed changes in the environment into that that you know that evolves over time and yeah, with the organization and with you know with the wider environment that's sustainable right that's sustainable right yeah. <laughs> that's that's so important and you're also right that it needs to yeah it needs to be a long-term plan but not a fixed long-term plan it needs to have that flexibility in terms of we talked about it being a long-term plan can you see any quick wins for businesses things to address to make an impact early on? That's a very good question. I think the, the first thing would be to, if I focus on the blind spot um, and understanding skill um, within your organization, I would challenge again, every listener here, um, do they really know the skill within their organization? Because there are many roles that will have multiple skill attached to them. And that is, there's, the skill is also transferable to different roles. So I think um, I, we say a quick win, but you've got to start somewhere. It's probably not a quick project, but, um, <laughs> but you've got to start somewhere. And I'd say that's the priority for me would be understanding the skill within your organization. All, all I'd add to that is just going back to the last point, Tyree, which is that people risk audit. You know, ha have a go at the people risk audit as a, as a starting point. Yeah, e even if you don't capture all of them, if you if you capture, yeah, you know, if you capture half of them in in the in the first sweep, then 
you're, you know, you're doing better than you were the day before. So that, that's a really quick win. Brilliant. Well, thank you both for your insights and um, hopefully this has been an exciting and it's definitely been an animated conversation as you can tell the passion from both of you. So uh, hopefully everyone has enjoyed listening, but um, thank you both so much for joining me today. Thanks, Terry. Thanks, Terry. Please subscribe to keep up to date with our latest episodes. And if you have any questions, please do not hesitate to contact us at mercer.uk at mercer.com.